Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I'm your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we have the one and only Mr. Dave Jennings. Now, Dave, I have known for a fair while now, and he's the author of a new book called Systemology. This book is phenomenal. It'll absolutely knock your socks off. If you ever wanted to systemize your business, to grow your business and to scale it so that you can work on it rather than in it, you need to listen to this episode. We get a whole bunch of amazing insights and of course, find out all about his upcoming book, launch, which is happening in just a few days time, Systemology. Make sure you guys check that out as well. We'll have some links around so you can check it out. But until then, let's jump into the show. Mr. David, sir, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you making the time. The pleasure is all mine. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. And uh, I always like to kick off with the same question every time, even though I know a bit about you already, which is if you and I met at a party and we're catching up and we're chatting and I said, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? My go-to answer is, you know how most business owners, they can't step away from their business for more than a day or two. What I've done is developed a system process to extract, organize, and optimize the way they do things so they can step away from their business. That's a great answer. And I think that's one of the things that's important for everyone because it's interesting as you go through business, I always want to be involved. I always want to be there. But it does then seem to constrict the creative thinking and the ideas when you're in there all the time, being able to step out for a bit, actually have a holiday and a break and actually be able to think about things at a bigger level, it makes a huge impact. Yeah. And I find a lot of business owners as well, they start business seeking freedom. They're thinking about freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of what they work on. And then they actually end up six months, 12 months into the journey, realize that they've got anything but freedom. They're mm. chained to the business. They're delivering for clients. They are the everything. They are the bottleneck in the business. And then they go, oh, wow, I started business for freedom and now I've got lack of freedom. To make that bridge and get to that point where you choose, like really it's just about choice for me. I want the business owner to be able to choose. If they want to work 100-hour work weeks, more power to them as long as that's their choice. If they want to have a more balanced life and take time off or be able to have holidays, then yes, I would love that for them too. If they want to work almost no time, then that's cool as well. But really, it's just at least giving them the choice. Whereas most business owners, when they get started, they don't get the choice. It's like the treadmill has started and they can't find the off switch. That's so spot on. And I find a lot of the time when we talk to business owners from a range of the small to big, that exact same thing where they're like, oh, wow, I wanted to come in and I uh, thought I was going to be sipping on pina coladas on a beach. And now it's like I'm chained to my desk and I'm just hustling away. But one of my questions I have for you is on the process of systems, because a lot of business owners that I've spoken to, they're like, I'll get to that. Sure. Like when they're starting out, once I'm crushing six figures, I'll do that. Or once I'm crushing seven figures, I'll do that. I'll hire someone and I'll get them to do that later. At what point do you think is it most effective for someone to go, cool, I need to start working on systems for my business? The best time to do it is once you've got a little bit of traction. So I agree. If you're a brand new startup and it's just you and you're getting the business off the ground, then it probably isn't the best time to be creating systems. You've got to be focusing on getting product to market fit. You need to make sure that you can actually 
get the result that you're promising your customers and make sure that they're happy and they're coming back. You need to figure out how you're going to get customers, how you're going to sell them, how you're going to onboard them, all those types of things you need to get a little bit of traction on. Then I even suggest that you start to have some team members around you. You want at least a few team members, whether that's full-time, part-time contractors, just people that you work with on a consistent basis. Because if you create systems and and then it's just you, you're not really going to get a huge amount of leverage from that. Where the challenge comes is most business owners, they get the business off the ground by doing everything themselves and they grind it out and they know the answer to everything. And as they start to bring on team members, their team members start to rely on them as well. They know that, oh, the business owner can solve every problem that I've got. If ever I get a real problem, I just go to the business owner and they'll know how to solve it. So that then trains the staff to become very dependent on you as the business owner and you get further and further entrenched. And it's like you're digging this hole and getting deeper and deeper and deeper and then it becomes very challenging to get out. So there is a turning point where I think if you haven't started to systemize, if you're at 15 staff and you haven't yet got some systems in place, it gets exponentially more difficult down the line to insert them because the culture starts to get set. People are used to doing things a certain way. Why do we have to change? All these ideas come up as to you know why not to change. So the sweet spot, I would say, is anywhere between a few staff and about 15 staff. That's the easiest place to systemize. The other thing as well, and just given the time that we're recording this with everything that's going on with COVID and the pandemic, everybody's changing the way that they're working. Now is the best time in history I've ever seen to introduce any sort of change. So if you're looking at introducing a systems cultured business where your team has a certain way of doing things, do it right now because your staff, they'll accept it because they know that the world is changing around them right now. They're changing the way that they're shopping. They're changing the way that they're working. They're changing the way that they're dealing with their kids. Like there's just so much change everywhere. If you say, hey, I want to follow the systemology approach and you introduce this idea of systemization, they're going to go, well, you know, well, we're making changes elsewhere. So, okay, what's this all about? Mm, I, yeah, it's so spot on. At the moment, it is like perfect storm. Obviously, there's lots of positives and, and obviously there's also the negatives going on with everything at the moment, but it is people are much more open to adaptation. When you said, okay, cool, Kim, I've got this new book coming out. Do you want to have a sneak peek? I was like, I'm going to devour this and then I'm going to see how we can apply it because I've always kind of known about having systems and I went through and previously tried things, a lot of stuff from Gino Wickman and around the entrepreneur operating system and whatnot. But it was like, uh, I was like, I would do it and I would only get so far and get a little bit of implementation. And then it's like, cool, then things are there, but they're not being implemented. And it was funny because I got my general manager to read the book, the early release that you sent me as well. And we both went through it and she's like, has he got a camera in our office? Like half the things that she's talking about. And then she's like, I'm this character and this is what's going to happen. And blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, wow. The way in which you articulate and talk about systems and the way in which you go through the process of implementation of them, I think is is just phenomenal because I know for us, like I've tried the fact that you've written a great story about it's like I've tried to encourage our team 
to focus on systems. But a lot of the time previously, like before all the craziness going on in the world, it's been me like do systems, like speaking at people, put systems in place. Now everyone's like, oh, cool. How can we do things better? How can we improve all this craziness going on? Let's make some changes. So it has been a perfect storm for us. And the reason why I'm referencing the book, obviously, is coming out very soon when, whenever we drop this recording. But I want to ask, because in there, you talk about some of your background getting into systems. And there's two things that really piqued my curiosity. One, which I want to start with, is like the work that and connection with Michael Gerber. Yes. Because obviously, for anyone that's read The E-Myth and things like that, that's obviously a book that does have a great fundamental of systems approaches. Can you share with us a little bit about that? And obviously, you talk about it in the book, but a little bit that, about that interaction and like why do you think it was that connection came about for you? Yeah, and I'm similar to you in that I also read a bunch of books like The E-Myth. I love Traction. Gino Wickman's work, Rocket Fuel, is another book that he's done that's excellent. Scaling Up, Built to Sell by John Warrillo. Like, there's a lot of books in the space, but I actually felt all of the work that's out there at the moment all speaks to building the case for why you systemize. But I've found every discussion I have had with every business owner, we all agree business systems are important. It's just that they're very rarely urgent and the business owner thinks that they need to be the one that creates them. So they're important, so it stays on their to-do list, but everything else jumps in front of it because the business owner is busy. They've got to be the busiest person in the business oftentimes, especially when you're in startup mode, so they never, ever, ever get to it. So the systemology, it's the system for systemizing a business and it's, it's to speak to, okay, you're sold on the idea of systems, but where do you start? What system comes first? How do you then loop your team in? How do you take the business owner out of the process? What tools do you need to think about on where you're storing them? How do you get buy-in from the staff to make sure that they actually follow the process? Then how do you think about scaling and when to think about optimization? So that's kind of what led me to the conclusion to do it. But what really, I suppose made me so passionate about systems, the interaction that I had with Michael. And I I didn't realize it has almost now become my calling because of that interaction. So I had a digital agency that I owned for about 15 years and I got stuck in it for about 10 years. I often say that I was probably in working in the business seven years longer than I should have. So we had this turning point. I found out we were going to be pregnant and I thought, right, I've got to change the way that I'm working in this business because I'm going to be that dad who's always too busy, never has time for the kids, work in the weekends, evening. So I just, I need to make that change now. So I used that as my turning point. I ended up hiring a CEO at that point. I worked with her over a period of, it was about sort of six to nine months where we heavily focused on systemization and I just about broke every rule in the book. I was the one trying to do it, grinding it out. And I was just forcing team members to follow the process and ruling a little bit with an iron fist. And I did it all the hard way. And then at the end of that, though, when I had just finished, and it wouldn't have been more than about a month after it got to a point where I said to Melissa, hey, I think we've got it. I think we're at a point now where the business functions pretty well without me. You're running this and I'm kind of now able to work definitely a lot more on it rather than in it. Then I get an email out of the blue from a lady called Luz Delia Gerber. Now, I didn't know her first name, but I definitely knew the surname, Gerber, and it was Michael Gerber's wife. And she just said in the email, call me. So I picked up the phone and gave her a call because it was like about 7 a.m. Aussie time and I knew they were on the West Coast. So it was their afternoon in the US because they live in California. 
And she basically said, look, Michael's just turned 80. He's written the last book in his E-Myth series called Beyond the E-Myth. And all of the previous books were written and published through HarperCollins. But this last book, we want to maintain and control the rights because then we can, you know, Michael's thinking about his future legacy. He's 80 now. And we just need to think about how his work is looked after beyond him. And she said, I watched you launch your first book, which was Authority Content. And that's a book I wrote to promote the digital agency. And she said, I loved what you did. And we've never actually met. I don't know you, but I'd love you to do that work for Michael. I'd love for you to launch the last book in his e series. She didn't know anything about me other than she just felt like it was the right thing to do. And she said, there's a couple of small catches. One, you're going to have to work on this full time for three months and you're going to devote, it's going to be more than more than full-time. Like this is a huge amount of work that needs to be done in a very short space in time. I thought about it for a second. I was a little bit starstruck. Here I was talking to Michael Gerber's wife and I said, I'll volunteer to do the position. I don't expect to be paid. I just see this as an apprenticeship, a chance to work closely with Michael and get mentored under him. And it was an awesome experience. I learned so much over that three-month period and, and it's developed into an ongoing relationship and different projects that we work on. The long story short of it was it was the easiest project I've ever worked on in one way because even any time I mentioned the word Michael Gerber and the e-myth, people would fall over themselves to do a write-up or get him on the podcast. So it was very easy in that way. Everybody knows and, and loves Michael's work and was very happy to endorse it and review the book, all that good stuff. The book ended up getting an Amazon bestseller in 24 hours. I had a few friends that helped me out in the process. I called in some favors. We all flew to the States in Carlsbad, California, rented out a Mac Daddy Airbnb house in Carlsbad, California that was hanging off the side of some rock overlooking the ocean. And we attended a three-day event, one of the last events Michael ran called The Dreaming Room. And then at the end of that three-day event, they asked me to stay on because they were going to run a mastermind group. They got the who's who pretty much in the business world into a room to talk about the direction of Michael's future legacy. And they were hoping to get Tony Robbins to facilitate the group, but it, it didn't quite go to plan. And at the 11th hour, they didn't have anyone to facilitate. So I stuck my hand up and I said, I'll facilitate the group. And they let me facilitate the group. And we were in Michael's presidential suite in this swanky hotel in Carlsbad with the who's who. And I'm up the front leading as we're talking about what's the business model look like and how do they want to position his work and, and that sort of thing. And four months prior, I had never met Michael. I hadn't spoken to Michael. I didn't really know anyone in his world. And it completely came out of the blue. And I attribute the success and the ability to take that opportunity that fell in my lap down to the fact that I had a systemized business because I was able to go, yes, I can work on this full time. A lot of times business owners, they have opportunities that might come their way, but they just can't take advantage of because they're like, I'm too busy. I couldn't step away for three months. So the whole thing would implode. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to look after the staff? So they just wouldn't be able to take advantage of that. Whereas the systems actually created the space for me to then just have this magical opportunity fall in my lap. And then it started to make me realize as well, how many other opportunities have I missed? Because I've been so focused working in my business that I might not have even seen it. There's probably hundreds of other things that have just scooted by that I just didn't even know existed because I was working too in it. So 
At that point, like, I mean, I learned loads of things from Michael and still do to this day. That's how I open up the systemology book. I tell that story because it was quite impactful. And Michael has written the foreword and kindly called the book extraordinary because it, what it does is it builds on his work. A lot of my systems programming comes from his work and the legends in the business world that have come before me, like your, your Vern Harnish and your Gino Wickmans and your John Warillos. And it's the extension of that. It's the system for systemizing business. That's the short version of the Michael Gerber story. I love that. And as I said, when I was reading it, it was, as you mentioned before, like a lot of those, they shows you how important it is. And it really instills in you. It's like, cool, I need to systemize. But then taking that point as well, like the best part, I think that when I read, I was like, ah, I don't have to do it. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, systemize the business. Let's do it. And then they're like, and I was like, and you're all doing it. Kick back over here. Just going to go record some podcasts. But that part, I think, was was hugely impactful for me because I know how important it is. And I know the reason why I want to do it and that the team does now as well. But that point is something that I have to drive on top of running the business, growing the business, leading the teams, helping with management and all that sort of stuff. Just to me, it's like, as you said, it always gets put on the back seat. I'll get around to that. But after going through that, I've got to say, it's like, it's definitely one that's for me, I was like, oh, it's like a huge weight came off my shoulders at the time because I was like, oh, now I'm going to have the ability to do that because we're probably 80% of the way there in some areas, but like the frameworks that you have there are just phenomenal. And it's cool. I just love that, um, that Michael Gerber story in there. So I was like, I've got to delve into that a little bit because that was really cool. One other question I had in relation to that as well, you mentioned, and you kind of opened that loop and I was like, I need to get this closed, which is the MCG story. about selling. I just had to ask, I was like, how does this play in? Because I was like, when I read that, I've got to chat to Dave and get the answer to this question. And this one, this taught me a valuable lesson as well. I find with some of these, my biggest lessons and insights that really leveled me up come from direct experience. So the MCG one was perhaps my first story in business. I had just finished school, read a book called The One Minute Millionaire, and it told about a guy, Paul Hartunian, who sold the Brooklyn Bridge for 1995. So what he did is he was watching the news and he saw they were doing the renovations in the background of where this person was getting interviewed. There was the removalist truck and the number of the removal company on it. And there was a big pile of wood because they were basically just renovating the Brooklyn Bridge and they had all this discarded wood. He called the removalist company and said, what are you doing with that discarded wood? I've just seen it on the news. Can you deliver it to me for a hundred bucks? And they've said, yeah, no worries. And as they're delivering it over, he wrote the press release that New Jersey man sells the Brooklyn Bridge for 1995 and then sent it out, did a press release and all the media outlets basically mobbed him for the next year. He was on TV, radio, newspapers, the whole lot. And I just read this book, The One Minute Millionaire, and it was telling this story. And then I drove past the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Ground. And I know you've got a little bit of an international audience and a local audience. For those international, Australia, we're a little bit sporting mad. And the MCG might as well be the church for the religion of sport. So I was driving past the MCG and they were doing some renovations on the Ponsford stand. And the MCG was really well known, at least the old stands were, for this green, wooden, iconic seating. Like it was painted green and everybody knew that seating. And I drove past, I just read the book, it was like fireworks went off in my brain. And I was like, oh, wow, this is 
I can just replicate exactly what Paul did and I'll do it here in Australia. So I went, followed, went to the wrecker, got my hands on a bunch of wood. I also got some discarded carpet, which had the MCC crested logo on it. And I did the carpet up into these frames. They're about 800 bucks each. I got certificate paper. I went to Office Works, which is like, you know, our Office Max. And I cut up little pieces of the wood and stuck it to this Office Works paper. And then I got photo of the MCG and put it together. I wrote a press release saying that Melbourne Man sells the MCG for $24.95. And then I ran an ad. I almost wrote it like an advertorial and I posted it in, there's a, a newspaper in Melbourne called MX Magazine that used to give away for free on the trains. I ran an ad in there and then I sent out a press release and I got mobbed. I was on the Today Show, I was on Nova Radio, I was in a bunch of different magazines and the newspapers picked it up. And I just love this story of a Melbourne man selling the MCG for twenty four ninety five. I was just a young guy, like I was 21 years old at the time. But the lesson I took from that was the best way to do something or the shortest path to get the result you want is often to model someone who's already achieved a certain level of success. So when I tie it back to systems and systemizing your business and getting the business owner out of the equation, because ideally you don't want the business owner involved in having to create the systems because usually they're the worst people to be creating the systems. They're busy. They're usually not necessarily detail orientated people. They're big picture people. They've got a million things on the go. If you can identify the people on your team who already do those key tasks that you identify really well, and you just record what they're doing, and then you bring everybody up to that standard, that creates a significant win in the business. The systems don't have to be perfect. The business owner doesn't need to be the one that designs it and makes it 100% optimal. If you just find the best person in the team who does the task, who isn't the business owner, you record and capture what they're doing and you model what they're doing, you'll get a win. Just like I modeled Paul Hartunian and I got a shortcut, that's where all of my biggest wins happen from. It's finding something to model and that becomes your shortcut and then you iterate on that process. Yeah, that's so important, as you say, because a lot of people, especially when I know even myself, when we were starting out to putting systems in, it's like, oh, cool. I think this is going to be a good way to do a system. So I'm going to do it like this. So rather than me going out there and just following what someone had already done, probably took myself three times as long to do it. And it's the same when we teach people ads or anything like that. I'm like, you can go and try and do your own version of Facebook ads. You can go and try and implement it your way. I have no problem with that. However, here's my repeatable process that works every single time. Why not just just follow that? And that's the easiest path. And I think similarly to what you've said there, the only everyone always get asked about like how to accelerate results and whatnot. And I say, it, you've got to just follow the path that someone's given you, which is, again, why I was so excited when uh, you literally sent me this book. I was like, this is just now. I have the exact roadmap of all the steps I've got to do in order, and I don't have to do it as well. It was just absolutely amazing. As we get towards the end of our time, I've got one more question for you, but I do want to ask, in relation to the book, for anyone that's been thinking about putting systems in their business, how impactful do you think it is going from not having systems or having like broken, mediocre systems to having a fully operating business that has systems installed? They're utilizing, you know, systemologies type frameworks. What's the impact that that makes for a business owner? And like, what's the tangible difference that you see? That's a question that I get asked a lot. And I, for a while there, I struggled to answer it because a lot of the 
benefits can also be very intangible. How do I quantify being able to work on a dream project with Michael Gerber? That came as a direct result, but I couldn't quantify it. But the more that I've digged into it and thought about what is the bottom line benefit, the best way that I can calculate that is to think about 10% wins across multiple departments and areas in the business. So a system, when you introduce it, of course, if you have a way that you sell. So let's say you have a, an awesome salesperson, he or she might be outselling everybody else two to one, or three to one, five to one. If you find out what they're doing, capture it, create the system, the step-by-step process, and then get everybody else to follow that particular method, of course, you're going to get a 10% win. You're probably going to get a 30, 50, 100% win. But let's just say worst case scenario, 10% win. And you think about 10% wins in things like 10% improvement in leads, 10% improvement in conversion, 10% improvement in the like efficiency of delivering the work and getting it done, 10% improvement of getting people to come back. When you, I've got a calculator and it's in the last chapter in the book of, of systemology. And it's, uh, you think about your business and where it is right now, and you enter in your numbers and you see what 10% wins actually does to the bottom line. It does not improve your business by 10%. It's the law of compound interest and having compounding. Those 10% wins all build on each other and you can, increase that bottom line many hundreds of thousands of dollars. It depends on the size of the business as well. So I I often say it'll depend on your situation. There will be a lot of unintended benefits. The challenge is always unlike something like running Facebook ads where you run an ad and you get an immediate response. There is a lag time with systems and you need more than one system layering on top of itself to see the compound benefit. If you just installed one new system of booking a calendar appointment to streamline that process or something, you know, I'll save you five or 10 minutes here or there. You're not going to think too much of it. The benefit comes when you layer 10 to 15 of those systems on top of each other, all saving you a little bit of time, all increasing a little bit of efficiency and reducing errors, that's when you see it significantly impact your bottom line. But it might take three to six months of chipping away at this and changing the culture of the business before you start to see that reward. But there are shortcuts. Like, I mean, we talked about systemology. In my podcast, I've got this thing, and it's one of the secrets, actually. I suppose this is one of the biggest secrets to take the business owner out of the equation is you make systemization a two-person job. You've got the person who has the knowledge who might be the business owner, but we'll try and avoid the business owner where we can. And you have a separate person who does the documentation. And someone gets recorded doing it. You give that recording to the documenter. They end up doing the documentation and then they send it back to the knowledgeable worker. With that thinking, when I had that insight, I started a podcast, Business Processes Simplified, where I just interview experts. I get them to share a system or a process they use inside their business. And then I get my team to do the documentation. And then that becomes a system or process that we can bring inside our business. If you recognize that your business is just a collection of systems, if you strategically start identifying the weak areas in your business and fix the problems by installing a solid system, you see a rise across the board in everything And that ends up having a big bottom line impact, let alone all of the non-tangible type benefits that come from it as well. I love that. And I got to say, the whole two-person process, for me, I found way, way 
easier to get the team on board because most of them are not the documented they're the knowledge workers so then for them they're like oh cool i just got to document what i do like i don't have to build a system i've just got to record what i'm doing awesome like they have no qualms with that so i know on that side it's been really easy to get them to be excited about it as well before we run out of time here today i always always like to ask the same question at the end which is is there a question that i didn't ask you that i should have Probably the question is, where do you get started? What is the first step? I feel like that. And I can give a very simple exercise that someone can do. They don't even have to read the book. I mean, it is the first step that we talk about, but it's get out an A4 bit of paper. The most asked question I get is, where do I get started and which systems do I need to document first? Get an A4 bit of paper. In the top left-hand corner, write your dream client. So the person who happily pays your prices, refers friends, comes back, does repeat business like that ideal client. Next line down, think about what is the primary product or service that you can sell to that target audience that is a great onboarding or on-ramp to your products and services and your business. So that's the next line down. And then you think of the method I take you through. It's called the critical client flow, the CCF. It's about describing a combination of the customer journey and the business journey that the business goes through to deliver that product or service to that dream client. So you think about, you know, starting at the top, how do you get the person's attention? Maybe it's Facebook ads, maybe it's SEO, maybe it's speaking on podcasts, whatever it is. Think about how you're doing things in the business at the moment to grab the attention of your target audience. Next rung down, how do you respond to an inquiry? If it's a website or a phone call, next rung down, how do you then sell them? You know, do you have a qualification? Do you issue out a proposal? Then next one down, how do you collect the money? Do you take 50% up front, 50% on completion? Next rung down, how do you onboard the client? Next rung down, how do you deliver the product or service? And then the last thing, how do you hand over the completed work and sell them onto ongoing services or get referrals? If you do that on an A4 bit of paper. Don't put more than two or three words in each of those different boxes to describe it. At the end of that process, you have identified 10 to 15 systems that if you can get that systemized, the business can make money without the business owner. You've just created a money machine. So that's probably what I would suggest. And then you just focus on systemizing that. And I think if you do that, that'll definitely set you on the right path. That's amazing. I think that's a, a great insight for everyone to do and, and start with that. Once you do that, you're like, it does make things so much easier to think about what you want to implement from a systems perspective when you see it all mapped out like that. I know the guys in the office have already started working on that as well. So they they were showing me theirs, theirs yesterday. Awesome. So for anyone that's listening, they're like, obviously, this Dave guy knows his stuff and I want to work on my systems. Where can they check out the Systemology book, obviously, which is just coming out as when we'll release this podcast? Where's the best place for them to go to be able to pick up a copy of that? Yeah, so head to systemology.com forward slash book. All the links from there, you'll be able to get over to Amazon. We're also doing Audible. I know if you're listening to this as a podcast, I did do an audio version. I read it. I know it's always best whenever I listen to books. I love hearing the author read it. And I've got a few little Easter eggs in there. Michael Gerber read the foreword and, and I've got a few little cool things that I added into it. I won't give away the surprise, but yeah, if you like audio, that's another way to go. But all the links to the podcast and things like that, it's all on that systemology.com forward slash book. Awesome. And guys, as I said, I have already read it. I was very lucky to get a early a release copy to see. And I can wholeheartedly guarantee having read lots of books on systems, tried lots of things on systems, you will not be disappointed. I think I smashed through it in like 
probably three or four hours one Sunday evening when I got it. Definitely go check it out. If you're listening to this, check the show notes. We'll have the link straight across there. If you're watching, click through above to our site and you'll be able to get all the links to that as well. And as I said, I hardly recommend getting it. I know that if you're listening to this and you're a client of ours, that's probably going to be your gift for the next quarter after this comes out. And if you're a new team member of ours, you're definitely going to get that because that's going to be your new Bible. So you have to be listening to it. So as I say, guys, I wholeheartedly cannot more than encourage you guys to go and check it out because it's going to be epic. Dave, thank you so much for making the time in and amongst everything at the moment to jump on and share with all our listeners about how they can start to systemize their business. An absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us, Kim. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. (laughs) 